when you guys did the whole thing with Lemon Dove, where I think first it was you, dude, that was sort of creating these visuals while playing some Lemon Dove music in the background, which was really sick. I don't know if it is visuals, actually. Like, what is that kind of art form that you were doing there? Oh, yeah. the um, It's 3D modeling. Yes. Yeah, so I usually just refer to it as modeling. Yeah, the way I think about it. And yeah, I just like, I really love playing like just chilled music and making uh, stuff because it's quite, um, it's kind of like a canvas. Like you can really make anything you feel like making or designing and it can take like any amount of time. But at the end, you do really have visuals more than anything else. So I guess it is like visuals. Yeah. Dude, I think you guys, I think you and and Limadov should really just work on that stuff. Like more i feel like i used to enjoy like it's literally like i never really watched lives and stuff but i remember when you guys did that i used to just hop on and just watch for like hours or however long it would go on uh go on for bruce so yeah you guys make a really good team actually yeah we love doing it and we love creating like we did one was it last weekend um which got like a lot of cool feedback, which was really dope. So we really like like making stuff and collaborating. And obviously um, doing it with Lemon Dove has been something that we love doing yeah. the most. Yeah. Like even if they're not like directly with us, we're always like playing their music and stuff. Yeah, dude, it's, it's beautiful. Sorry, me. Fish, you've been doing a lot of Twitch lately, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm really starting to get into Twitch and enjoy Twitch. What's that been like lately in terms of like streaming on other platforms versus doing it through Twitch? I love streaming and just being live in general, but I was always very scared of um, moving platforms, especially moving off Instagram. Um, But I needed a platform where I could share my computer screen a bit more clearly so people could see like what I was doing and stuff. Um, So that's what attracted me to Twitch first. But once I got there, I found that it was really it was really dope to be around a community of people who are happy to sit for hours and just watch you do stuff and create stuff and be involved in that process like i really love it and i think that twitch is really unique because there isn't really a time limit or a time expe- expectation like you could stream for 45 minutes or you could stream for like 9 hours and no one really no one really minds like it's really up to you so i feel like twitch is really dope because it gives me a lot of freedom when i'm streaming do you take long or are you like really good at short spurts like quick creative exercises or do you like taking your time spending the whole night on one project i love like stuff i can finish in one night or in more in one sitting I don't like leaving my work and like coming back to it, to be honest. Like if I can finish it in one sitting, like I feel a lot better and prefer that. Um, So most of my streams are between like 45 minutes and three hours, depending on how like how complex it is and also how carried away I get. Um, In Blender, you can sort of get locked into one thing and like stuck there for hours. So I think it's also good because then I go through the whole process and people can see the whole process in something that feels a lot more condensed. But I have been meeting a lot of other 3D modelers and streamers lately, and most of them like to work across multiple days. So most projects, most normal projects I've found are usually a week to two weeks, but that's way too long for me. 
when it comes to like 3D modeling, bro, like what actually ends up happening to the stuff that you create? Say maybe, for example, you create something on Twitch right now. And then, you know, in about three hours time, you're done. What do you actually do with the end product? Um, so I save a lot of them and like go back to them later, use them as like references for things. I'm currently building a library. So the plan is to make a short film. So all the twitches and stuff that I've been doing recently is making assets and things like that, which are going to be in the movie. And I think that that will be really rewarding for the people who've like stuck to the stream since the beginning, because they'll see a lot of the things they saw being made inside the film, um, which I think just gives a sort of like sense of ownership to the people who are with me because they help me with like ideas and picking color schemes or materials or anything like that. Um, so yeah, right now I've been saving everything into a big library. Um, but normally I just upload them onto Instagram or something if they're really good. If I don't think they're that good, I just delete them. I also really don't mind deleting stuff. I'm not super stuck onto things like I can always just make it again. Yeah, so that's what happens to all my work. You know, and earlier you were mentioning, you know, when you had to switch from Instagram um, to Twitch and you mentioned how you're a bit skeptical and stuff, but obviously Twitch sort of works out better in the long run in terms of what you're doing. But how was that initial switch? Because I'm I'm trying to think of, you know, a person who may be a creative who's also thinking of like switching to another platform and stuff. And you may find that someone is sort of, you know, built up so much on, you know, say maybe Instagram or something and maybe they're considering a change and stuff and it's always going to be a daunting thing so you know how was that switch for you was it sort of like easy to sort of you know jump on and you know did you have a lot of the people that were following you on instagram maybe come through to twitch with you you know were there any challenges when it came to the switch at all or was it all just smooth sailing um i think in terms of like the actual process of creating and stuff um i found it very relieving to come to twitch because i don't have to worry about the time constraints I had to worry about on Instagram, like every hour reloading the stream. Um, so that was really cool. Technically, though, um, I found that to be the hardest part, like getting the stream program to work. And um, I was also quite worried because I knew Twitch to be a gaming platform. I didn't know that they were 3D modelers or anything like that on Twitch. So at first, that was quite daunting, but then realizing that there are actually all kinds of different creatives on Twitch and all kinds of different things you can watch, that put me at ease. So I think the biggest challenge would probably be the technical aspect of just getting everything to work. Um, Diane had a lot more experience in that because she's also a streamer. So she helped me out a lot with that and like just getting that to work right. Yeah. Diane, you you also work in visual media, but not the same as Fish. Can you tell us what you like to do? Um, so I like to edit and I like to do like animation and VFX. Like I don't, I don't know. I did try 3D modeling and I just feel like it's not the medium for me, I guess is the, the way I would put it. Like it's really cool and um, I dig it, but I just don't feel like I can actually like 
create the art that I want to create yet. Like, I think I need more time to actually dedicate to learning and like figuring out more things. <laughs> like Fish really like jumped in running. Like he learned so quickly and he's done so much. And yeah, like I just need that time as well. But I'm more of an editor. So what would you say is a recipe for a really good edit? We'll be right back. But you still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little you mean? Yeah, yeah, we all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying oh, yeah, I'm trying yeah. I'm trying I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Damn, Damn, we all artists, man. We go you feel me? We gonna have this like Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit right now. I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I gotta lie, don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit serious. Damn, that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I honestly don't know how to answer that question because I don't think it's the same for everything. I think it's more about just like. Figuring out the like what message you want to convey and like what emotion you're trying to put out there and like that can be different for every single project. So uh, I really don't. <laughs> oh, I think I can actually answer this a bit better, just because yeah, yeah. like <laughs> um, when I was trying to get my editing better and like I started looking at a lot of Diane's work and like watching Diane's work. So I have noticed like a few things that are in every video. So I think like the first thing is really good music or really good sound rather. Yeah. I think like that's super important because when you do cut and make transitions and things, what really sells that and what really sells like the movement between scenes is um, pairing that with sound. And I've seen yeah. that like Diane always pairs her transitions and things with good sound. Um, so I think that that is one of the key ingredients and then the other thing is yeah going through all the footage to really see what the best story is and what the best story you can tell is from what you've got from your like source material so knowing your source material is also really key other than that yeah just being able to see the story and put it out there in a way that really makes sense using those tools like Diane said, there isn't like one specific method, but there are things that like are in every good edit. Yeah. Yeah. I think like because like if you look at the bigger picture of editing, you're really trying to like create an experience. So it's not just about like good visuals or good sound. It's about like trying to combine a lot of different things together to make something that is unique and something that feels unique and yeah that's different for like every single project mm. that's really beautiful because you know we get sort of like a uh, a first line view in terms of you know what goes behind some of the stuff that you guys do so i, I for one really appreciate you know getting this opportunity having a chat with you guys um i want us to touch a bit on visual jitsu so 
tell us a bit more about that. You are the people behind it. Um, you know, how many sort of, or how long did it take you guys to actually, you know, come up with the whole concept and sort of roll with it? Yeah, visual jutsu is, it's kind of hard to describe. Um, normally I say like it's it's a production company yeah. that the three of us run, but it's actually a lot more than that. I think that's just like it's nine to five function. But basically it started, I would say the idea started about four or five years ago. There's one other from our like from our group. We're actually like a trio, Riyadh. Um, so Riyadh and I met and we started doing a lot of like music videos and projects together. And we really loved doing that. And we were doing it mostly just for free and for fun so that we could like practice our skills and create more. And then we decided like, okay, maybe we should do this like professionally. Like we should help people make better visuals and stronger visuals in whatever platform it may be and whatever medium it may be. Um, and that's sort of when Diane came into the picture as well. Diane was amazing at like editing and visual effects and we needed help on a video. And when she helped us, like Riyadh and I were shook. Like we didn't know what to do. Uh, we were basically just like, please teach us, like show us what's going on. But we're also busy and like strong at different things. We realized it was actually better if we, instead of trying to all be on the same level, rather lean into each other's strengths and weaknesses. Mm. Uh, yeah, so we started doing that. And because we hang out a lot and like spend a lot of time together, we just started creating things, not just for other people, but also for ourselves and just having fun and creating. So visual jutsu is now like how we run all our business stuff, but it's also just a name or like a clan name for the three of us and like whatever we do in whatever way we do it. Yeah, it's just a cool way to put a label on all our work without like getting people confused. As a creative trio, how do you manage things like teamwork and leadership? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think one important thing is that we were friends first yeah. and we constantly remind ourselves of that. Like if we give each other criticism or um, like just try help each other grow, like we know that it's coming from a place of love and a place of friendship. So yeah. we try not to take any negative stuff uh, personally. Um, in terms of leadership, we're all pretty self um self-reliant and like independent yeah so it doesn't feel like we really need leadership in any way like it doesn't feel like one of us is the boss or something you know what i mean mm. like we kind of all just take initiative on things when we need to if that makes sense yeah so the important thing is like that we all have the same vision and we have the same goals going forward um, so the one thing we do a lot is just sit and talk about like, what are our goals? How do we feel personally as artists? Um, what are we trying to do? How are we trying to go and making sure that that vision stays unified? And when it doesn't, trying to figure out like how we can maneuver around that. Like if there's something I want to do that the other two aren't necessarily keen on jumping in on, um, 
just figuring out like when do I have the space to do that versus doing the stuff like we all need to do together. Uh, yeah, so that's the main thing. And then the other thing I would say is just to be like honest with each other and really open with each other. We have no yeah. problem like saying whatever we feel and I think that that honesty is really important because that's how we get through challenges. You know, just just looking at you know the the the, the work that you guys do, um, you know, as as people who create content and stuff, I want to look at sort of influences and whatnot. Like, are you guys influenced by your surroundings at all? Like, where you guys are based? Would you say that you know an element of that sort of goes into it? Like, for example, for an artist maybe who might be based, say, for example, in Durban, who might say, yeah, oh, I'm influenced by the ocean and, you know, the, the energies that come through that or whatever. With you guys, is that a thing at all, you know, considering where you guys are based? To be honest, I don't think so. Yeah, I also don't think so. Yeah, I don't think we're really influenced a lot by, like, our surroundings or our space. But I think that's because, like, the three of us are all homebodies. Diane and Riyadh more than me. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like what the things that really influence us are more the people around us than the actual space. Yeah. Yeah. Like we find a lot of inspiration in our friends, in fellow artists around us. Um, so in that sense, I think like where we're from does influence us because like the artists around us and in our space influence us a lot. Um, but I don't think like the actual physical space influences us that much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause we're all from like totally different backgrounds. So I think in terms of space, we don't really see, a like a common ground, like yeah. the common ground comes more from like the people, the people and the art yeah. and what we're trying to do. Yeah. I think I appreciate the fact that you said, you know, all three of your homebodies because I'm a homebody myself <laughs> and I think me as well, you know, so <laughs> we're sort of united on that front, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Introverts for the win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you um were you always creative people? I I feel like I've always been like quite a creative person. Like uh I started like doing art and stuff when I was already like in school. <laughs> and like I started editing when I was like 15 or something. Like just for fun. And I feel like it's just become a huge part of like who I am now. Like I can't imagine the person that I would be without like being this creative or like having that creative outlet. You know what I mean? Mm. So I don't know. I feel like I've, I've been like this. <laughs> I don't know about you. Um, I am creative, but I do have like, I don't know. I also really enjoy like maths and systems and things like that. Um, so for me, like I've always been creative, but I've always struggled to find a balance that satisfies me completely because I also like want to do maths and like complex problem solving. And that's part of the reason I really love 3D is you can use like maths and coding to make your art better. Mm. and to make it look better and that like blows my mind yeah. and also it's like so satisfying is that 
it's not just satisfying the creative side it's also satisfying like the other side of my brain the like logical side mm. yeah like you do need to know like some physics and like math it's <laughs> yeah it's so <laughs> dope 3D like, it's is cool. like a whole different ball game man yeah so i consider myself to be like somewhere in between um and then i think i think riyadh's the same just from like my perspective um because he's also i think he's also like very creative but at the same time everything needs to be like proper and in a system and yeah like make sense before he even starts so it's <laughs> it's a mix yeah. yeah i think Diane's the one who's truly like just knee deep in creativity <laughs> you know when you when you guys when you like firstly i got to say bro like it's I, I've never really come across anyone who is sort of like good at both because generally when, when I was in high school, you know, you'd find that a lot of the people who did like maths and science and stuff would do that. And then you'd get all the like creative people doing like visual arts and all of that there. So it's actually quite refreshing for me meeting someone who's who sort of combines both elements and does it so well. Like it's incredible, dude. Um, and and that obviously leads me to the part, you know, about you know when when you guys aren't really doing, you know, the arts that you guys do, you know, what else can we find? Say maybe Fish or Diane doing if you guys aren't busy creating, sleeping, <laughs> <laughs> sleep. <laughs> we're probably asleep. Um, yeah, I think yo, because we like love creating so much, and then on top of that, we're also um we also do it like for work and for money um i think like 90% of the time we are creating something yeah or doing that type of work like, so if we do have a moment to ourselves <laughs> it's usually for rest recuperation mm. trying to find inspiration uh Diane and i love traveling yeah before the pandemic and stuff um if we weren't creating, you'd probably find us at like a festival or in a car and away somewhere. Like we love moving in our free time. Um, yeah. And then just hanging out, like outside of creating and stuff, we also just love hanging out, playing games. Um, Riyadh and Diane are both big gamers. <laughs> Riyadh's into comics and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, Diane also, like outside of that, well, outside of like creation, there's also gaming, and she does like her gaming stream. Um, for me, it's sleeping. <laughs> I'm just sleeping, or I'm studying. I I really enjoy like learning new things and new tasks, and I mean not tasks, new skills. Um, so in my free time, like the guys like to joke that I don't stop, <laughs> but I don't. Yeah, I really don't. <laughs> Like in my spare time, I'm usually like watching Blender tutorials or trying to read a paper on Blender or something like yeah. that and trying to figure out like what's something new I can learn to make my art better. You know, you had me, you had me at gaming there, dude. I, I'm very much into that as well. Diane, what, what do you stream? Like, what do you sort of, you know, what are you playing at the moment? Um, right now I'm playing Overwatch. Uh, a lot of Overwatch. I play 
basically like in all of my free time it's that's kind of what I'm doing like if I'm not sleeping I'm probably playing overwatch <laughs> yeah I'd say she puts in about four hours a day or something four to six hours a day wow yeah that's incredible. Is is Overwatch sort of like I've I've I don't really know much about it. Would you guys say it's similar to Apex in a way, or is it way different? Um, it is similar. It's also like a like a hero shooter game. Um, but it's just I don't know. It's how do I say it? <laughs> it's like a a team based like first person shooter. So. It's just like uh, you have a team of six and like there's another team of six and you're basically just like fighting the other team to like capture an objective or something like that. So I think it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, no. That 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 makes complete sense. Like I've seen, I think I may have seen a couple of streamers, you know, playing that as well, but it seems very interesting. You know, I need to see if I can try it out myself. Fish, what are you playing at the moment, bro? Um, I'm playing the only game I've ever played since I was eight years old, probably Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> I just play like all the different Spider Man games, yeah. Um, so right now I'm playing Spider Man. I also got Control. Um, so I'm gonna be like starting Control pretty too, pretty soon. Um, yeah, but Spider Man is like my main jam. Also, Street Fighter. Really enjoying Street Fighter at the moment. And uh, when we're all together, we play Tekken and Jump Force. I think those are like the biggest yeah. games we play. Yeah. Are you Are you on PlayStation? Yeah. Um, we're on PlayStation. Riyadh's on Xbox, so we're constantly like switching between them. Mm. Uh, I prefer PlayStation though. Can I? Can I? Before I pass on to me, I just want to brag, like, <laughs> uh, with with control. Um, on, I'm I'm on Xbox, right? And we literally got that on Game Pass. So it's like free. Like we don't pay anything for it. I think you may have to pay for it on PlayStation, if I'm not mistaken. Um, We got it for free Normally, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have oh. PlayStation Network. Yeah, so I we got lucky because like on the last day that it was free was when I logged in and like went through all the games and stuff and I found Control and I was like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's that's epic. So you guys, so so you guys have like, do you guys have an equivalent of Game Pass for PlayStation? Then yeah, yeah. What I had no idea. Yeah. I had no yeah, idea at all. Like, wow. Uh, this is... Three free games a month. Like they they have like a selection, and then they do. There are like a bunch of free games that you can get just for like being on the PlayStation Network. But then wow. there's also like three or two games every month that are like usually you have to pay for them and they just give them to you for free. Okay, I see. I see. Guys, if we had to talk about games, we could go on the whole night with me. So oh, I think we <laughs> you can take over. <laughs> would would either of you ever consider switching to um doing something in the gaming industry with your your art and your current skill sets? I would. Uh, <laughs> I'm like trying to, well, I, I started like a new gaming YouTube channel and like, I obviously stream on Twitch and stuff, but like, I'm really trying to just like, I don't know, like edit my gameplay and just like show it to people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I'm not willing. I think gaming is the last sacred thing I have left. That's not <laughs> that's not work or monetized, and I want to keep it like that. Um, and the thing is, like 3D modelers are commonly used in like games for like uh, extra environment pieces yeah. or things like that or character design. Um, but I try to stay away from that and try to stay away from getting involved in gaming. I want to keep it as part of my free time. I don't want to ever think of gaming as work. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, do you think it's sort of, is it helpful for you to have that firm barrier between what is work and what is play seen as you, you love what you do essentially and it's almost like um, maybe it's difficult to switch off sometimes and have an actual break. Yeah, I think it's really important to have something that remains recreational and remains like part of your rest. Like sometimes it's really hard to switch off work and it's really hard to calm your mind down and de-stress. And for me, like gaming is that thing that like, helps me calm down and de-stress and my brain now knows like if I start gaming like the day is done you've done the work we're finished we can relax um so I just feel like I'll get lost if I don't have at least a few things that remain strictly outside of work yeah I think for any artist it's important to have like barriers and yeah like boxes for things Coming through like from from the outside looking in on my end, um, you know, I'm interested in knowing how you guys met and that's in Megan and Fish and Diane. Like how did you, you know, obviously going back to, to the earlier stuff when you guys make, you know, create art together, you do the, the 3D visual and then, you know, you've got Lemondev playing in the background and stuff. How did you guys actually meet? Um, I met Lemondev way before I even started 3D modeling. Um, yo, I can't, yo, it's rough. I'm just trying to, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've known them forever. Um, yeah, I think it was like through work. I used to like teach and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was just through like hanging out and friends and stuff and wanting to relax. and. Um, Part of the duo of Lemon Dove, like, I already knew that, like, the music taste was the same, our music taste and, like, taste in general. And then we hung out and I was like, oh, my God, I wish I had friends like this, like, my entire life. Like, this is so dope. Um, a lot of my friends, like, my close friends aren't actually creative. Um, I don't have a lot of friends that I, like, relax with and chill with and we, like, talk about creative stuff and look at creative stuff and they actually understand like the work behind it, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that's how it like, yeah, that's how we like met. And then Diane, Diane and I are dating. So obviously I had to like bring Diane through and be like, <laughs> meet these amazing people. And yeah, that's how we all met. Yeah. And uh, we've just been, Best friends ever since. Let's make it official. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so considering this episode will be out in July, um, 
And we're kind of midway through the year already. How are your creative levels doing? Like, how is your energy? Oh, I'm feeling two ways about it. On one end, like, I think my my creative levels are starting to go up and almost peak. Um, I work a lot more in winter. And I love, like, just modeling and working in winter. Um, being inside with, like, tea next to you and, like, a little blankie is great. Um, I find it a lot harder to model and stuff in summer because I want to be, like, outside and fucking around. Um, <laughs> so I think mine are going, mine are slowly going up. But at the same time, I hate being cold. So going out and shooting because I'm also... Um, a photographer and a, and a cine. So going out and shooting that type of creative energy is like going down very fast. But mm. my eagerness to like get started on the film I was talking about and to like do some real big scale modeling is, is going up quite fast. I think I'm feeling a bit like the opposite right now. Like I feel like I really want to just take a break for a bit. Just because, like, I don't know, when being creative is part of your job, it's, I find it quite, like, exhausting to then, like, come home and still work on my own stuff. Even though I want to, I just am so tired. <laughs> so, like, I just feel like I want a bit of a break just to, like, think about my own stuff and work on my own, my own art, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Is it actually like it's an interesting point that you bring up there, Diane, because you mentioned that, you know, it's obviously this is obviously a passion for you, right? But then you obviously don't want to come home and then you still have to do it's pretty much the same thing that you love, but it's sort of become work. Is is it possible to sort of have um your passion be your full time job and have it be consistently enjoyable like day in day out you know the fact that it's something that you love doing but it's a job at the same time you know can it be like always on that tip of yay i'm extremely happy doing this like you know the, for the majority of my time yeah like most of the time i am like super happy i'm just like damn i really get to do what i love like every single day and it's my job. Like <laughs> I never would have imagined that like this would actually happen. I mean, when I was younger, my parents kind of like told me this is just a dream. Like you're not actually gonna work in the creative industry. Like this is just something you do for fun. But now like it's my job and it's, it's sometimes very tiring. Like, to come home and like you do want to work on your own stuff but yeah you are drained because you've been working on like other stuff all day but like I always after I take a break just find myself like coming back to this and wanting to create again and wanting to edit and like do what I'm doing so I don't know I think it's just more about like having like boundaries Balance, and yeah. balance yeah mm. yeah that that is well said just before I pass on to me as well just two questions here um fish mm -hmm. you mentioned you mentioned that you're a photographer 
Um, I'm going to ask you something, you know, based on photography. But before I get to that, you mentioned that you're a cine. Is that a cinematographer? If I'm not mistaken, I'm a noob. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, I forget something. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. So, um, what I basically what I basically want to ask is, you know, in terms of the photography, like a lot of people will think that being a photographer is something that's very simple. Like I'll make an example, dude. I remember when I was in like high school or just after high school where a lot of people who ended up not doing anything with their lives would be like, oh, I'm just going to buy a camera and become a photographer. But I do not think that it just takes buying like, you know, an actual camera and going out and taking photos or stuff. So from a professional's point of view, bro, what does it take to be like a damn good photographer, you know, such as yourself, because this is something that you you also do as well. Oh, that's a that's a great question. I've wanted to talk about this for ages because <laughs> that does really. I think personally, I find it quite annoying that um, people sort of think they can just like buy a camera and then be a photographer. Yeah, um, yeah. Just because you have the tools doesn't mean like. You can do the job. Um, yeah. Photography is so much more and it's such a deep pool to get into. Um, I would say to consider yourself a photographer, you should be taking it beyond just taking a photo. Like taking a good photo and like something that gets lots of likes on Instagram is cool. But for me, I don't really see someone as a photographer until they can tell a story with their photos and they can really like um, communicate a message in a single photo, which any photographer will tell you is actually like crazy hard to do and takes years of studying and understanding when to use what tools and what lenses and all of that. Like, Um, And in that same breath, like you don't need to have a crazy expensive camera and stuff to, to be a photographer. Like there are people who can tell a story with an image they took on their iPhone or on a camera from 1970 something or older than that. Um, So yeah, I think that photography culture now is like so focused on gear, but at the end of the day, if you really want to call yourself a photographer, You have to be able to communicate a story with your photos because that's what any client or anyone who asks you to shoot really wants. They want you to be able to show what happened or tell a story or communicate a message with like a single frame. Yeah. Dude, I absolutely hate it as well. Like I'm not a photographer or anything, but I hate the fact that people just think that they can pick up a camera and then be like, yo, this is something I'm I'm just gonna randomly do. It's it's like the same same WhatsApp group as okay, I don't want to offend anyone, but you know, you get a group <laughs> of people, you get a group of people who say, ah, oh, like, you know, I'm not gonna do anything so or rather I'm not doing anything so I'm I'm gonna become an au pair and look after like kids and stuff. And it's just like, dude, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, there are people who are trained to do that kind of stuff like who know you know what sort of medical stuff to do if like the child gets sick or something or in a case of an emergency or something so it's just one of those things when it comes to photography where i feel like people just don't take it seriously 
when it actually should be taken seriously because as you say there's a lot more that goes into it so it's yeah. really cool that you know you take it really like seriously as well that it's a topic that's also sort of just grinds your gears at times when people do that mm. i feel like a lot of people who want to enter into an industry or a, a field really underestimate what it actually takes to become an expert in that field and I think in terms of media, a lot of it is about looking effortless. So the the grimy behind the scenes are often like swept under the rug, you know. So like even with us, we get we get comments and like people think that this podcast is like managed by a full team who has their own team, but you know it's actually just a few people trying to do a thing. <laughs> you know. So yeah. what, what what do you do to sort of communicate how much effort you're putting into your projects and you know how much love you're putting into your work so that people appreciate it properly yeah Yeah. i think you're really good at doing that like in terms of communicating your a close to real self person over like the internet so give us the tips thanks (laughs) (laughs) um i think the most important thing when you're like creating stuff um and you want to like really reach your audience and like connect to them is to be authentic and that feel that feels like so cliche because a lot of people say that especially like youtubers and things like they're like be authentic um but they don't really talk about how to do that and how to how to get for example the best shot out but at the same time still be you yeah yeah, like sometimes in my vlogs, like it isn't just one take, like it looks like it's all one take and I just like recorded and sometimes like I do have to retake stuff and I do have to like go over things again just for quality. Um, but I think the biggest things are don't force things. Like um, I try not to plan too much in terms of like what I'm creating and how I present myself. Like I'll think, okay, I'm going to record on Friday, but I try to not over plan or overthink about it too much so that when it comes to Friday, the only thing I really can present is myself. Like I don't have anything else like prepared. I haven't filtered anything. Um, so I try to be like as honest and forward with myself as possible. So I don't like plan my outfits or get ready for a shoot. Like whatever I'm wearing is what I'm wearing. Whatever I'm doing is what I'm doing. Um, I try not to design things too much. And if I do design them, I like let the audience know like this is by design in a creative way. Um, like sometimes I'll ask my friends like, hey, let's go to the park because, like, I need a really good opening for my vlog and I can't keep shooting in my room. Um, and then they'll be like, what? But but then it's planned. Like, we're just going to the park for your vlog and I'll put that voice note, like, in the vlog so people know, like, we came to the park so that I had a good opening for the vlog, guys. Like, this is... Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just trying to be, like, very aware and very honest. Um, if I feel too tired to do something, I don't do it. If I don't feel the energy for something, I don't do it. Um, yeah, if I'm not list for something, I don't do it. And I'm also not afraid to delete things. Like sometimes I work on a video for like a week, a week and a half. 
and it's just not feeling right or not feeling like me. So I just delete it and start from scratch. And I think those are like, yeah, the biggest tips to presenting yourself in an honest way online. Not forcing things, bro, I feel is one of the most <clears throat> one of the most underrated uh ones that, that that are out there, bro. Like not forcing it needs to come naturally, type thing. I completely agree with that. And obviously all the points that you made, bro, are hundred percent valid. You know, when it comes to um the cinematography part of things, like I as as a person who's who's I'm I'm like a lay person when it comes to that kind of stuff. In actual fact, anything that I know about cinematography or the little that I know, I actually may have learned from from Sean and Meigs. So, you know, if we ever have any of the chats, you know, that we have. But um I automatically think of, you know, like once upon a time in Hollywood, when I think of cinema like good cinematography, um, I automatically think of a movie like Ocean's Eleven, but you'd probably look at that from a professional's perspective and be like, ah, that's that's not that's not the greatest, you know. So on on when it comes to you, <laughs> when it comes to you and being like cinematography, you know, what would you say, um, or who would you say sort of does it best for you when when you're looking at sort of maybe influencers or people that you look up to that really just kill it, you know, whether it be in Hollywood, whether it be locally. You know, who are the really, like, good guys? Um, sure. Okay, so there's obviously, like, the huge, huge guys like Roger Deakins, um, Shivo, who are, like, cinematographers for huge films and things. Um, I really like... I really like Christopher Nolan's work. So, like, Batman Begins, those types of films. Um... But lately, I've been more inspired by local creators and local cinematographers. Um, like, for example, there's my friend Albert van Rijn, or if you guys find him on Instagram, it's under Bumba Pictures. Um, he shoots weddings, but those weddings are amazing. Yeah. They're cinematic. They are beautiful and smooth. They tell a story like I watch some of those videos and I don't even know the couple, but I'm like almost in tears. You can really see that there's, there's love there. And he communicates love in such a, a beautiful way that like for projects, I usually go to his work and use it as reference for like certain emotions and things. Um, another guy, one legged beggar. He's from, he's from Cape town. Uh, his name's Mike. He's also, he's a photographer who really inspires me. His work is beautiful. It's very fashion orientated. I really love like fashion and, and drip in general. Um, and I feel like he communicates fashion in such a way that it feels like personality. It feels like you're getting to know the person, but at the same time, like through their clothes and you're very aware of that fact. Um, so they're like big influences for me. And then lastly, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies. <laughs> Diane's laughing because like she knows I love those films so much. I study them endlessly. I cannot stop studying them. Um, and then finally, anime. I'm really, I'm really influenced a lot by anime and Japanese cinematography. I actually wrote my thesis on it as well. Um, 
the way they communicate visually is very different to the Western world, but it makes a lot more sense to me personally, um, just because they don't have rules that are as definite and as defined. The Western world of cinematography has like, this shot communicates this in a certain way, and that's the only way to do it. Whereas the Japanese say, um, you have to look at like where you are and your environment and consider those in your cinematography. Like cinematography in a South African setting should not look the same as cinematography in a like American or UK setting or like a Chinese setting because the cultures are different and your cinematography has to reflect your culture and your personality in some way. Um, the Japanese also very open and allowing to cinematographers having a lot more creative freedom in their work, which I think is also like quite cool and quite beautiful that they get to really drive the vision. Whereas like in the Western world, um, I feel like cinematographers are seen more as like technicians. Um, they still get to design stuff a lot, but at the end of the day, the director has a lot of influence on what that visual looks like. While we're still on the cinematography, like, is there any link between, you know, photography and cinematography besides like a camera and a lens? Um, yes, I, I think that any, anyone who wants to be a great cinematographer should study photography first. Um, they are two disciplines, but we are connected by more than the camera in that we are using frames and how we capture those frames to tell a story. So if you can understand and be really strong at photography first, when you move to cinematography, it's a lot easier to communicate the visuals in your story. Um, cinematographers a lot of the time rely on sound and dialogue and visual effects. Um, but I think the really strong cinematographers are able to tell a story where you can, you can still understand what's going on and almost see the storyboard through the visuals. And you can pause anywhere in a scene and the still, that frozen image tells a story. And that's quite a big like task. So I feel like photographers are crazy and deserve a lot of respect because they do a lot with one single frame. I'm hearing a lot of jack of all trades vibes, if you get what I mean. You you transfer your skill set so widely. It's it's very impressive. But I'm wondering if you sort of feel pressure to add to your skill set in terms of like what it's like to be in a creative economy or is that something that's just like inside you like you you have to learn the thing that makes this thing cool and then how it's connected to another thing and it's just you know about abundance is it is it pressure or is it sort of something that you're on the quest for mm, i think it's a bit of both um as a filmmaker you want to be able to communicate with your team like effectively so the more you know about each other's disciplines the easier it is to communicate and also know what's possible um so there is a drive to want to know all these things even if you're not going to do them like super professionally or to the highest level just knowing enough to be able to 
talk to your teammates and understand like when they explain something, what they're talking about and why it's not possible. It really streamlines teamwork and creative work, especially in our field. Um, but at the same time, I think there is pressure because we're all really picky about who we work with. Um, so when we first started working, there were a lot of gaps that needed to be filled. Mm. And we didn't want to just find people in, say, a week that we don't really know too well to fill those gaps. Like what we would rather do is um, fill those gaps ourselves until we can find someone that we really vibe with who is stronger than us to like fill that gap. So there was like a bit of pressure, especially when we started working professionally to just fill some gaps for products so that we could start working and start getting like professional products out. Yeah. So a bit of both. To anyone who's maybe listening to this, who, you know, maybe has a young or themselves as a young person who's wanting to maybe one day venture into the kind of work that you guys do on a professional level and, you know, get paid for it. You know, is it an industry and a profession that you would recommend for anyone who's looking at getting into it, um, you know, financially as well and whatnot? Um, I would say, I would say, yeah, like it's really dope. But at the same time, um, know what you're getting in for. Like, um, yeah, like me said earlier, like people have to really understand like how hard it is and how much work it is and the hours and things like that before you, before you commit to it. And part of this world is making things look easy, making things look fast, creating and producing things really fast. But the work that goes into that to make sure that you can like do that is a lot and it's insane and it's definitely not your standard run of the mill like you're not going to be working nine to five yeah. um i usually work what like seven to twelve um Dude, yeah insane. like we work like really long hours um and also depending on what type of work you do and which part of the industry you get into getting to a place where you've got consistent pay is also something that is really hard and takes a lot of time. So I feel like, yeah, we need to just make sure that like young people coming into the industry understand that and know that it does take time to get stable and to really find your place and be strong enough to like do your art and stuff and look after yourself. But if you've got the the willingness to do it and you really do love it, then putting in the hours and stuff is not as hard. And it's quite rewarding at the end when you've got really cool products and when you do finally start getting stable and stuff and figuring things out, it's really rewarding because it's, it's yours. It really is years of work and effort and not seeing your friends as much as you want to and not um, having as much yeah, not having weekends and public holidays and things like that. Um, yeah, you basically have to sacrifice a few years of your life to really get settled in this industry and come out strong. Sure. Um, was there a moment for for each of you 
that sort of defined you taking your passion seriously and moving it into um, from passion to profession? Was there a critical moment in terms of saying, this is my career, it's not just a hobby? Um, I think for me, it was, it, it was in high school because at that time I was trying to figure out like what I was going to do with my life. And there wasn't anything that I was really passionate about besides like the art that I was making. And it was really, I actually had like the biggest fight with my parents because my mom wanted me to be a doctor. And I was just like, dude, (laughs) I can't do this. Like that is not my passion. And like, I am just not going to be happy doing that. And I really just had to like put my foot down and say, look, I'm doing this. Like I'm going into the creative industry and it's what I want to do. Like it's, it's what I'm passionate about and you're going to have to deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and that, like, that's when I decided to actually like go to school and take it further. Like I went to after and like, I, started taking it more seriously like I was like this is not just going to be my hobby like I really want this to be my job and now it is (laughs) yeah I think for me um what really solidified it was I think I was in second year when I was studying yeah and um one of my mentors like saw some of my work and they just said like good job like you're doing, you're doing really well. (laughs) And, um, I don't know. My parents weren't really super involved in my art. I don't think they wanted me to do it at first. And it was really hard to tell them like, and to explain that, like I'm doing, I think I'm doing well and I really like it. And I think I can like be really good at this. Um, I think they were waiting for it to pass, but having a mentor and having him really say like, you've got like talent and you clearly like really love this. So like keep going and keep pushing. I didn't want to like let him down. And I definitely didn't want to um, put all the hours to waste. Like he put a lot of investment of his time and his money um, into me. And that I think drove me a lot to, to really give it my all. And I committed a hundred percent. And I told myself, like, I'm not going to put what everyone has put into me to waste. Mm. Um, but that was cool. Cause now I also feel like at all times I've got like 10 people behind me who are ready to like, just help me out if I'm ever stuck or anything. And that's a really powerful feeling, like having a community and a group of people who back you really like, yeah, drove me to, to give this my all and to commit to it. And now I just can't stop. Mm. And, you know, it's just sort of like as, as a follow-up as well, sort of if, if I'm wanting to get into this profession, you guys didn't mention that, you know, you studied and what and whatnot. What are, you know, the modules that I'd need to sort of look at and the, you know, subjects and all of that on like a varsity level or maybe even as someone who's still in high school who wants to sort of pursue this kind of career, you know, what sort of subjects would I be looking at doing? And then on to varsity as well in terms of what 
I'll sort of be studying. Anything financial, like learning finances and stuff is really important because when you do art and like study art and stuff, you don't really get those modules. So if you can like slide them in, trust me, it's really important. It's something you need to know um, because essentially you're going to be running yourself as a business. Other than that, um, it's very specific to like what you want to do. Like if you want to direct, like study directing. If you want to do like camera work and cinematography, um, then take you would need to take like some sort of camera course. So it's really specific. But I think all artists should try do history and history of art. Um, knowing where we've come from and how we got here is really helpful when you're trying to problem solve in the present and when you're trying to find uh, creative ways to communicate. Um, so that's really important. But other than that, I would say it's not about studying. It's more about doing. Yeah. Start doing what you want to do as soon as possible. If you want to edit, there's free software, download it, shoot videos, edit. If you want a 3D model, like open up Blender, download it, like get, get your hands dirty and get into it. Yeah. yeah I feel like creative Creative work is something you learn by doing. So the more you do it, the better. I mean, most of most of the guys we work with didn't even study. Yeah. They just sort of found someone they could learn under or they taught themselves. So the best way to learn, I would say, is to get your hands dirty and actually do it. And rather invest in yourself, like get to a point where you know what you need to go further and then use your money to buy those tools. and keep growing your skill set and your craft. Yeah. Mm. So I feel like if we don't touch on this, then mm, maybe we will regret it. But um, I feel like you guys would be the right people to ask about um, NFTs and where you see them sort of standing in the visual scene in the future. Yo, I love NFTs. I think they're great. I'm like working on my first set now. Um, so for those who don't know, like NFTs, it stands for non-fungible tokens. And what you're basically doing is, um, and this is really dumbed down, but you're digitally authenticating your work so that you can like sell it online. And most of that happens through cryptocurrencies. But the really, the reason I love it is that digital artists are getting paid a lot and i feel like digital work is growing in value and people are starting to see the value in digital work mm. um and it's also it feels like you're in a gallery like you can put your work up and like sell it and market it without too much work um yeah so i really love them i think they're great i think in the future they're going to become sort of like yeah, the new way of selling and and dealing with art. So anyone who's in the art scene or needs art um, should know and start learning about NFTs and how to buy them and getting involved in that mm. because it's really dope. Um, and it's cool because you also get a lot of stuff. It's not just a digital file. Like a lot of artists will send you a print of the NFT you have or some sort of digital frame. Um, yeah, and it makes things like short videos, GIFs, things like that, 
you can now sell those things in a gallery as well. Like Diane can turn her edits into NFTs and sell those the same way I would sell my photography prints. And that's really dope. Yes, I'm so glad to hear that you actually have a positive view on it because um, it's been a little bit shaky so far as all new things are. But it's it's really good to hear that you're actually already on it and you, you're getting your your what is it you get it minted how do you how do you actually get it done yeah so you get it minted through um whichever website you're selling from Mm -hmm. like OpenSea or super rare are some of the like popular ones and basically you submit the original file and they authenticate it and put a little blockchain on it and that is a really easy process that the websites will put you through and it costs roughly five to thirty dollars depending on the website but i haven't seen anywhere that's more than thirty dollars to mint it Mm. yeah hey that is really sick guys i feel like you've given us a lot of insights uh on that you know it's a very informative chat that we've had i think um it's time that we give people your handles so just let people know where they can get in touch with you if they want to work with them visual jutsu maybe if they want to work with you fish or you diane how do they get in touch um, so you can contact any of us through visual.jutsu um, on Instagram, or you can also just find us. Um, Diane is alternate universe. alternate universe with no vowels except for the E at the end of alternate dot AEP. Or you can find me at in fish cat we trust or just type in fish cat zombie. All right, that is sick, guys. And obviously, yeah, with Sledge Underground, it's at Sledge Underground on the majority of the platforms. You're available on Spotify, SoundCloud, um, and obviously uh, Apple Podcasts as well. So do tune into the episode, guys. Thank you so much for joining Megan and I on the show. Really appreciate this. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It was amazing. Yeah. Hope this isn't the last time, guys. I thoroughly enjoyed this chat. Mm -hmm.